Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Uh, you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Uh, you can uh, send a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913-15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Uh, you can also use the Zelle app to send a box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, and... Uh, you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just check out patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for our final episode of Indictment. And this one we can't give you an exact date for, but uh, we're pretty sure it's from September of 1958. And the title is Grand Slam Heist. Indictment. A formal written charge of crime as the basis for trial of the accused. Indictment. The drama you are about to hear is from New York City and is based on stories of the criminal law with authentic procedures as detailed by Eliezer Lipsky, former assistant district attorney of New York. It is the assistant district attorney who directs criminal investigations, assembles facts and witnesses, fills the case to a just indictment. All right, that finishes up the stoves and jackets. Now, Mary, we come to the coats. Take a new sheet right down at the top coats. Mink. Coast mate. Yes, Mr. Gonsley. Wait a minute. Bill, for heaven's sake, you're going to take inventory you're going to listen to the ball game. I can do it, though. Where are we? Mink coats? Fine, let's go. Oh, no, 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 wait. See if Mantle takes. Oh, no, they're not going to make him bunt. Oh, no. Bill, I take Harold. Quiet, Mary. Wait for it. It's scooped up the throat first. Mickey beats it out. He's safe. Oh, all right. That's the game for us. Oh, we need it with the man on base. Uh, what is it, Mary? I'm going there to say, maybe we should change this inventory in time to make the night. All right, all right. Where were we, me? Right. Very well. Ranch natural, a dozen. Ranch mutation, seven. Ranch, Mary, uh, see who that is. No showing today. Too late. Inventory. Yes, Mr. Go ahead, Howard. Ranch mutation, seven. Got that? Right. Ranch blue is next with four. Mary, what is she doing out there? Help Phil, they've got guns. Harold, yes, don't do it. anything. We're insured. No noise, the hands up, no fuss, no muss, no bother. All right. Conference on the mound. Okay, boss, I'll the ball. Jump out so there. Hit it the ball, make it quick. No, no, not the ball, mister. No, I beg you, no. Wait a minute. What's the ante? Please, my partner can't be locked in the ball. His heart, a sick man, weak heart. What's the inning? What's the score? Top of the ninth, Yankees are up. It's tied up. Everybody on. Uh, Mantle bunted, but I beg you. Get up and get in the ball. That's one on. Caught just in time. I'm on the outside. I will get you three to walk. Two and one. 
Hey, I shut into the bar. Please. They won't uh, bear I'll, I'll die. I'll die. All right, all right. All right. Inevitable. The time lock. Yes, yes, the time lock. Okay. And it looks like all three. Three and one. You can set it yourself for five minutes. That knows what's coming. They've walked no up this season. Anything. Wind up. Like I know first. In the dirt. Ball four. Two men on. Cut out. Top of the ninth. Hey, now we're going to fix the play. Go for the natural for big sake. See what I mean? They walk them. They go for the double play. McCormick. Ed, Tom Russo. Head on up at Safe and Lops. On that 30th Street far heist. Honkton and Follinsville, you know? Mm-hmm. What's cooking? Old shoes and cabbages, Ed. The Safe and Lops men don't like the way it smells. Now, what was the hole there, by the way? That's part of the stink, Ed. $90,000 worth of prime furs. Only the best. The stick-up men knew just where the wild mink was. Turned up their noses at the ranch stuff. Seem to know they'd catch the partners at inventory. An inside job, huh? Insurance? Complications, Ed, complications. As far as that goes, insurance, that is. Moncton, that's one of the partners. Moncton suddenly discovers the other, Follinsby, let the insurance lapse. Mm-hmm. He's blowing his top. A lot of wild charges, Ed. He's in a real... Well, battle. all right, where do I come in? Have these detectives got anything ready for me? Not yet. Moncton's screaming like a mad dog in a meat house. The boys up here thought you might get something out of them, Ed. All right, bring them down. Ah. Too late to catch the night game anyway. You... You have to forgive my partner's hysteria, Mr. McCormick. His entire life is... His, his entire savings are involved in our company. Aren't you an equal partner, Mr. Follinsby? Equal? Yes. Of course, equal. A partnership of 30 years standing, but eggs and baskets, you know. I, I have real estate. I beg you, Mr. McCormick, I urge you, if you can induce him to, to adopt some self-control. Uh, Mr. Follinsby means his partner's been uh, accusing him of fingering the job, Mr. McCormick. But that's impossible. It's utterly Miss impossible. Only, please, one thing at a time. I've huh? with Mr. Follinsby and Mr. Monkton for 25 years. They neither of them do any such thing. Why, they're the closest Miss friends, Ol- much less business Miss partners. Miss Only, please, in good time. Detective Russo, did Mr. Moncton say anything in your presence to substantiate this claim, this accusation? The efficiency, Mr. McCormick, the the efficiency and speed of the operation, the robbery, the fact of the insurance... Uh, Which, uh, which, by the way, I understand has been allowed to lapse by you, is that so? Not for the first time, Mr. McCormick. Miss Olney will bear me out. The company has always in the past allowed us a few days' leeway in restoring the policy who would expect to be to be caught between expiration and renewal. Uh, Mr. Follinsby, I understand your partner is a sick man, presently under physician's care. He's practically in shock, Mr. McCormick. He wouldn't have said any of those terrible things to Mr. Follinsby if he'd realized what he was saying. Of course, of course. You're considerably overwrought yourself. It's been difficult, I suppose, on all of you. You must believe me, Mr. McCormick. I am less concerned over our loss than I am over what has suddenly happened to our friendship. Thirty years, Mr. McCormick. Good times and bad. Moncton and Follinsby, and to have such accusations, such hysteria... Well, having heard some of the details from the safe and loft detectives, I was going to suggest that, since there's nothing that can be done until the investigation bears fruit anyway... I was going to suggest that perhaps you and your partner, provided you can persuade him... I can talk to him, Mr. McCormick. I'm sure I can talk to him. Fine. And you persuade him, in view of what I understand was going on when the robbery took place, to go with his old friend, robbery or no robbery, up to the stadium tomorrow. The state... 
Oh. Yes. After all, it's the Yankees' last home game before the series. Maybe Bob Turley will win his 23rd. I'll, uh, try to persuade him. Do. I take it that's all right with you, Mr. Follinsby. A ball game? Isn't there something you can do, Mr. McCormick? On evidence, yes. Otherwise, well, what have I got to go on, Mr. Follinsby? One man did all the talking, and the other had the scar across his nose. And that isn't very much. Enjoy the game. You're sure you're all right, Phil? Yes, fine. The best medicine in the world. You know, I, I, I couldn't thank you too much, Hal. A wonderful idea, this ball game. And ashamed. Uh, I tell you, if I could forget the things I said yesterday. Skip it, Phil. Yeah, well, still it all. Uh, 30 fur coats and 800 pelts. Well, I look at it this way. This is the seventh inning stretch, this, uh, this uh, loss. We got knocked down, so we stand up and we stretch. <laughs> and we settle down and start all over again. Yeah, you and I, 30 years, we have our health. We... Harold. Harold. What? What is it, Phil? Your heart? No. Look. Down there. What? Coming into the box. Going into the box. The, the, the one with the can of beer. Well, I, I don't see... What is it? Who? who? You can stand there and ask me who. The other one. That's who. The one who went first. There. Looking around. Now, with, with the beer. There, that one. Look, I can't point. Next to the woman. The woman with the hat in the next box. The crazy hat. You, you may be right, Phil. He, he's got a funny nose. Funny nose is right. Half nose, half scar. Telephone. Telephone. Behind the grandstand. Hurry, Harold. The telephone. Detective Bowen. Detective Bowen, this is Edward McCormick, Special Bureau Assistant District Attorney. Yes, Mr. McCormick, that's in Manhattan? Yes, that's right. I've just had a call from a fur robbery victim, a Mr. Harold Follinsby. Take that down, please. Follinsby, got it. Yes, sir, but I... Uh, you I... find him in grandstand seat A-77, his partner with him. They spotted one of the men they think did the heist down in front of a, in a front box. Yes, sir, grandstand seat A-77. Where, sir? Where? For that matter, were there ever any real baseball any place else in New York? Get over there with a couple of men before the Yankees win this one, too. Point out the man, Mr. Bonsby. The heavy set one. Straw hat. Next to the dame in the dizzy hat? That's the one. That's the one. All right, keep it down, Mr. Martin. Keep it down. You sure now? That's him, for heaven's sakes. All right. Okay, Dave, you go up the aisle, come down the other, work around the other end of the box in case he makes a break that way. I'll wait for you to get there before I make the grab. Well, detective, what about... You two, they want you to go down to Mr. McCormick's office in Manhattan. We'll bring the man in for you to identify. You want us to leave the game? Right now. Hurry up. All right, of course, of course, sir. Uh, will you tell us what Barrett does? Just about ready, Mr. McCormick, any time you are. Uh, waiting for one witness, Sergeant. Get the stenographer to note the names and appearances of the lineup, please. Right. Thank you. 
Mary, we got him, we got him. Oh, Mr. Hampton, which one? Cut it out. Now, I warned you gentlemen not to discuss the suspect with each other or with Miss Olney when she arrives. Miss Olney, take a seat, please, and listen to me. Very well. All right. In that next room, we've prepared a lineup. The suspect you men claim to have spotted at the ball. Claim, he says. Huh? Are you going to cooperate, Mr. Moncton? I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Suspect has been told to take any place in the lineup he chooses. You'll see upwards of a dozen men in there. The detectives, clerks, and the officers around here, one or two of them are building workers. I'm going to ask you to go in there, look at the lineup, then come out here and then tell me or Detective Russo, nobody else, in a whisper, in fact. I'll repeat that, in a whisper. Which of the men in the lineup you recognize as one of those who robbed your place? You understand? Perfectly. Yes, of course. Fine. Now, uh, just a minute. Pardon me, I forgot something. One at a time. Mr. Moncton, go with Detective Russo. All right, How did I've they... asked you, Miss Olney, not to talk to the other witnesses. Now, will you please? That was quick. Mr. Moncton, sit down. Keep your thoughts to yourself. Tom? Made him right off the bat, Ed. Fifth from the left. Puggy Moran. This mm -hmm. is all monkey business. It's the man I'd know him anyway. Quiet! Who's next, Mr. McCormick? Mr. Follisby, go ahead. And remember... Understood. Understood. Uh, and what happens next? If he's the man, we'll, well, talk to him. You ought to know, Mr. Moncton, that whatever identification you may make is still a long way from a conviction. To say nothing of the fact that he may decide to work for a recommendation from this office by cooperating. I don't understand what you're talking about. We want the name of his accomplice, Miss Olney. The firm wants its furs back. Now, altogether... Sit down, Mr. Follisby. Ed. Mm-hmm. Not so good. We had seven men with scars on the lineup. Follinsby made two false starts, and only then made Moran. Mm -hmm. But he's not sure. Not too sure. The man who let the insurance lapse, huh? That's it. All right, Miss Olney, come with me, please. Detective Russo, stay with these people. Yes, sir. All right, all of you, one step forward. Put on your hats. Take off your hats. You, third from the right, you. Face this way. Pick up your hat. All right, all of you. Left profile, turn right. Right profile, turn left. Okay, face front. Thank you, Detective. Miss Olney? Yes, sir. Come over here, please. Anyone there you know? No, sir. Nobody? No, sir. I never saw any of those men in my life. Thank you, Miss Olney. Thank you very much. All right, gentlemen, that's all. Detective, bring that man back to the witness room while we give the results to the stenographer. Now, you three, just contain yourselves for a moment. Do not converse among yourselves. Tom? Yeah? The girl drew a blank. Girl? She's 40 if she's a day, Ed. Trying to look 25. Yeah, well, never mind about that. How smart is Puggy Moran? Anybody stupid enough to take a piece of an armed robbery with three convictions behind him owes the IQ people a hundred points. Mm -hmm. What's your idea, Ed? Well, I pretended in there that the girl had recognized him. Mm -hmm. Suppose we turn the positive one loose on Puggy, uh, the Moncton. Yeah. You think Puggy will give? It's your case. Well, what else have we got? 
Mr. Moncton. Yes, yes, right, right. Will you come with me, please, into the next room? That's the one. Look at that face. That's the one. Well, Puggy, what do you say? Drag a guy out of the ball game with Bearer up last home game before the series. You got a knife. That's all right, Puggy. You play your cards right, and you'll be back playing shortstop on the North Wing team at Ossining. Very funny, very funny. What's the charge? What's the rap? Mr. Moncton, let me introduce you to Puggy Moran, old-time heist man. Been in the safe and loft business longer than you've been in the furlough. A liar! I swear to my dying day, he was the man. Listen, Mr. Moran, I don't want your life. Think of mine. Mr. Moncton. $90,000, the death blow to my Calm business, yourself, my family, prison trial, whether Mr. Moncton, please. Give me back my purse. Ma- Be human. You're killing me. I beg you. Mr. Moncton. That's a great act. Put him on the TV. That's got a bad heart. It's no act, you coon. Buckhead. I watch Buckhead. All right, Mr. Munson, we'll take care of you. Russo, Tom, get Dr. Lickheim on the double. He's up in Park 4 testifying. Phil, Phil, what have they done to you? Stay out of there, both of you. Control yourself. (laughs) All right, Miss Olney, drink this. What is it? What is it? How's Mr. Munson? It's just water. Now, calm yourself. You you think a lot of Mr. Moncton, don't you? Thirty years they've been together. Twenty of them with me. Won't you tell me how he is? Angina, Miss Only. Oh. Like a red-hot iron through the heart. You've known him a long time. You know how he takes things. Oh, dear Lord. Don't let anything happen. Don't let it happen. Don't. It's going to happen sooner or later, Mary Only. Might as well be now. What, what do you say? I'm asking You've known Mr. Moncton 20 years. Who was it helped to break his heart? I'm asking you now. How long have you known Puggy Moran? Get the picture. In order to help you further your education while you're serving in the armed forces, USAFI, the United States Armed Forces Institute, is now offering a series of telecourses. Courses of study on film conducted by qualified high school and college teachers. In addition to their classroom experience, these teachers are familiar with the special problems of film or television instruction. But the USAFI telecourses have not been produced solely for military television stations. They can be shown anywhere on a standard 16-millimeter projector. So if you are interested in enrolling in one of these excellent filmed courses, Find out what courses are being offered. Then enroll with USAFI and let a telecourse be your guide. Go ahead, Puggy. Get yourself in deeper with every lie you tell. What are you going to say when I put a witness on the stand to testify you've been living with Mary as Mr. and Mrs. Frank Mercer at the West Side Hotel for the last three months? No comment. All the witnesses you like, dime a dozen, you pay. And the hotel register to prove it, signed in the same Spencerian handwriting. Come clean, Puggy, you're dead. The girl had nothing to do with it. She talked, Puggy. Never. She looked me in the eye in a lineup I seen her, shake her head. She never seen me, she never made me, you're pulling a fast one. Puggy, I'll tell you the truth. And I'll expect no more, no less from you. You're right. 
Mary only didn't identify you. All right, then you got nothing. No eyes. And she knew from Shut up. Only, only when her old boss went to the brink of death because of you and the other stick-up man, only then, Puggy, did she come through. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Enough to earn you 30 to life as a fourth offender. You don't believe it still? Ask her for yourself. Mary. Mary, you heard the previous conversation outside? Yes, sir. Was what I said the truth? Yes, sir. Will you do now what you said you would? Of your own accord? Yes, sir. Puggy, whatever happens, I'm still me, Puggy. Wherever they send you, whenever you get out, it'll still be me for you. So... What are you doing to me, McCormick? Puggy, he only wants you to tell where Mr. Muggs didn't get his furs back, Puggy. I never knew it would have killed him. The furs and, and the other man, you have to tell him who he was. You don't care about me. I, I don't care about I've got me. to warn you again, Miss Olney. As an accomplice, what you're saying now may be used against you. I don't care. I don't care. I care about Puggy. He has to help you. You said if he'd cooperate, you said if he'd come clean, you'd talk to the court for him. That's straight. That's straight, McCormick. You heard her. Puggy, you have to. Otherwise, it's a life sentence. Puggy! Oh, Puggy, it'll be all right. Mr. McCormick, let me tell you everything, then you'll see. He isn't a bad man, Mr. McCormick. He's a wonderful man. Twenty years I knew them, slaved for them, worked for them, and never, never any kindness. I was only another office machine, typewriter, adding machine, billing machine, and Mary only. But this, for the first time in my life, this man was kind to me. Can't you understand, Mr. McCormick? He was kind to me. Oh, Puggy, go ahead. He knows. McCormick. A deal. Nothing. Not for me. For a guy. As a cooperative witness, I'll do my best for her. A rap? No promises. But maybe a lesser plea might be granted by the court. I'll... I'll wait for you, Puggy. I'll wait. It'll be me for you whenever, whatever, no matter. You, I believe. You, D.A., I... For the girl, I... I gotta go along with you. It's just an honor. One thing. Yes? You got a newspaper, radio, anything? I mean, what did Yogi do? Our side won. The story you just heard was drawn from New York City and based on stories of the criminal law as detailed by Eliezer Lipsky, former assistant district attorney. The names of all persons and places were changed. Indictment is written by Alan Sloan, produced by Nathan Kroll, and directed by Paul Roberts. Nat Poland is starred as Edward McCormick. Jack Arthur is heard as Tom Russo. Also in the cast were Martin Blaine, Joseph Boland, Grace Matthews, Bernard Grant, Joseph Julian, Roger DeCoven, and Sam Gray. This is Dick Noel inviting you to listen next week at this same time for another Indictment.
Indictment has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. some uh, fascinating baseball stuff in this episode. Uh, And I think the date of September 1958 is pretty uh, well established, uh, mainly by the reference to Bob Turley. Uh, Turley was a Yankees pitcher. He did not hit 23 games, one in 1958, but he did get to 21. So I'm kind of thinking that this was written like early September when they thought he might get to 23. And this was actually Turley's big outstanding season. He won 21 games through 19 complete games, six shutouts, won the Cy Young Award, the Sporting News uh, Pitcher of the Year, and the World Series MVP. Uh, He was 27 years old that season, and he never won as many as 10 games uh, the rest of his career, Uh, and yeah, was pretty much out of baseball uh, within five years. So that right there uh, sets the date. Another thing, of course, is that little reference when the... uh, was confusion of where uh, he was referring to in terms of the seating. And the assistant district attorney uh, said that was the only place that you would play baseball in New York City, and then made the suggestion that uh, that was probably the only place where uh, real baseball had ever been played in New York City was at Yankee Stadium. Now, this is a shot by the writers at the Dodgers and Giants, who had recently departed New York for Los Angeles and San Francisco. As if to say, who needs you anyway? There was never any real baseball play. Don't tell us about that whole shot heard around the world thing. And don't even mention Willie Mays or... The team's John McGraw manage only real baseball was at Yankee Stadium. All right, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Vincent, Patreon supporter since June 2019, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Vincent. And that'll wrap it up for today. Join us back here on Monday for Casey Crime Photographer. 
Tuesday for the Australian version of the Fat Man, and next Saturday, it's under arrest. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.